Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the third episode, and that's just what we're going to go with here, of the Bronx Brothers podcast, Dog Days of November, uh, baseball season over. The Washington Nationals are the World Series champions, and I'm only smiling because that means the Houston Astros lost. I'm still really not tired of saying that. I'm your host this evening. I am Jacob Westendorf, and joined with me, of course, is my brother, Adam Westendorf. Adam, how are we going to get through these dog days? MLB hot stove. MLB hot stove. And that's <laughs> kind of what we're in on here. So the Major League Baseball general managers meetings will start here shortly. Um, and that's kind of when the news is going to start to heat up. Last year, the Yankees brought CC Sabathia back into the fold during those meetings. And I believe Brett Gardner as well. The Yankees have actually already brought someone back into the fold. And we'll start there. In our last podcast, we talked about Araldus Chapman and whether or not they would bring him back. And it turns out that they have. Uh, they gave him an extension. Essentially, when you add everything together, it's a excuse me, it's a three-year, forty-eight million dollar deal. Yeah. Once you get it all said and done, um, <laughs> one year added to his deal, uh, not the two or the three that maybe some people were thinking of. Maybe that he could have gotten on the open market. I guess we'll never know. But uh, a positive thing for the Yankees bullpen that Chapman's coming back. Oh yeah, I totally agree. Um... If you listened to our last show, I thought it was 50-50 if he'd come back, if he opted out, and we didn't even get to that point, which I'm actually pretty glad about because he's been dominant for us for the two years, three years that he's been here. So, Yeah, I think it's pretty clear that the Yankees value him. He values being in New York. Uh, and Like you said, he's been good uh, since he's come to New York. His velocity has dipped, but he's mastered. Well, not mastered, I guess, but he's been given a wipeout slider. Um, and, and it's been a positive for... For the Yankees bullpen to have him back there. And really, I mean, with this team being built the way that it is, I mean, we'll see if they're going to add starting pitching, anything like that. But with the way the team is built, it's always good to have as many of those relievers as you can. And the Yankees, again, come into next year at minimum. Even if they add nothing and get nothing for their bullpen, they'll still have Chapman, Canely, Batances, or excuse me, not Batances, Rip. Um, not or Chapman, Canely, Ottavino. Chad Green, and Zach Britton. So, I mean, that's a good group to start with as far as building your bullpen here for the 2020 Major League season. But I was a little surprised myself that they brought Chapman back. I didn't think that they would give the extension to him, but they did. And uh, that's one less thing that we have to worry about here moving forward. The other thing the Yankees did, they hired a pitching coach. His name is Matt Blake. I like his last name. That's pretty much my analysis on the uh i do have a friend his name is alec dop alec told me that he knows matt blake personally and that quote he knows what he's doing and i trust alec with just about anything including my own life so uh that's that's the analysis there he's very into analytics the yankees are going full nerd if you will when it comes to their pitching coach uh, so you can probably see why rothschild was let go now he's not quite full nerd He's got some of those nerd tendencies, but he's not quite uh, full nerd. Rothschild was hired uh, by the San Diego Padres earlier today. And Joe Girardi hired by the Philadelphia Phillies, which I don't think we addressed in our previous video. So real quickly, what are your thoughts on the Phillies getting Girardi? I think it's a good hire for them. Um, they went with Gabe Kapler, a guy, a young guy to maybe, you know, meet and mesh with the locker room and, it obviously didn't work out, so now the 
what the I don't want to say the dictator role, but you know Joe Girardi's more of a general authoritative yeah. figure. Yeah, and I think that'll help that young Phillies roster going forward. Joe Girardi's always been a good manager. It's just he had some faults, and I mean, what he was our manager for ten years. Yeah, like that's a good run. So I mean, I think that he'll be fine in Philadelphia. Yeah, I do too. I think it's a good hire for them. I think that they were looking for a little experience and. I think Girardi will mesh just fine with Bryce Harper. Like you mentioned, he was a good manager uh, in New York while he was the manager of the Yankees. Won their 27th World Series title. Got them close to another title on a couple separate occasions. Uh, they just weren't able to finish the job on two separate occasions. Sometimes I wonder how things may have gone if Girardi was the manager. Uh, not this past year, but the year before that, because they were so close to the World Series. But I don't think much would have changed. So um, good luck to Girardi there. Uh, of course, he's going to be a master of all these things, such as saying it's not what you want and all kinds of fun stuff like that. So I'm looking forward uh, to seeing Girardi and how he does in his next step uh, as a new manager, because that's, you know, that's how it's going to be. I'm, I'm also very happy he's not the manager of the Mets. Yeah. Carlos Beltran is, though. Yeah, former Yankee. I'm going to miss him uh, because he's one of those guys that, like, from the outside, which is where we're at, obviously, you can't see a whole lot in terms of how things are going to work with him, um, what his impact is, those kinds of things. But you can tell by listening to the players that his impact is there because you know, James Paxton, for example, uh, Beltran told him he was tipping his pitches. His next start, he dominates the Boston Red Sox. Um, so those are the kinds of things. And I also kind of – Beltran was one of those dudes that when the Yankees were – when they ended up hiring Aaron Boone, and I'm happy with Aaron Boone. Let me uh, stress that. I think he did a lot better job this year uh, than he did uh, in his first season. So that's a positive thing. But when they hired Aaron Boone initially, Beltran was one of those guys I was thinking if they're going to go young, analytics type, uh, I thought Beltran was one of those guys that they easily could have given that job to and I would have been happy with. So good for Carlos. I I hope they never win. <laughs> Sorry, bud, but that's the case. I hope they never win. Or if Aaron Boone decides to retire early or something like that, I hope he can figure out a way to come back to the other side of New York. The other bit. So obviously we talked about the pitching coach. David Cohn interviewed, which we were going to talk about. I was I love David Cohn. Uh, I wanted him to be the manager when initially Girardi was fired. Uh, they obviously didn't do that. Um, I don't know if he, how he would do in a coaching realm. I just think listening to him on the broadcast, he's really smart. Uh, he would really enjoy and take firm charge of being a coaching member of the New York Yankees. So, unfortunately, that didn't happen. Uh, I guess it's a positive. We'll continue to see him in the – in the booth with Michael K, I guess adding some sense to the broadcast. So we'll go with that. Um, Brett Gardner, that's kind of the discussion going into the GM meetings. It seems like if the if the Yankees are going to bring someone in, bring someone back, anything like that, then it's going to be Gardner. Yeah. So Gardner's having a deal discussed now. It makes sense because they don't have a center fielder <laughs> currently. But I do have this question. So Gardner obviously had one of his best seasons. He had an OPS over 800. He had uh, 28 homers, which is a career high. 
But remember the second half of 2018. So not this past season, but the year before that. Brett Gardner was unplayable. Like, quite literally, they would not put him on the field. The only reason they did is because Hicks got hurt in that postseason series against Boston. But Gardner could not find his way onto the field. And it's because he was bad. And he comes back this year, has a huge year, and he deserves all the credit in the world. I love Brett Gardner. Brett Gardner was my favorite player in some of those darker eras when the Yankees were just mediocre as hell. Gardner was their best player. Now, maybe that's why they were mediocre as hell is because Gardner was their best player. But my question that I'm leading all this into is, what concern do you have, if any, that Gardner's renaissance year was because of a juiced baseball? Well, he hit 28 home runs. Of course, it's because of a juiced baseball. Um, You're not going to look for the same sort of production this year as opposed to last year he's not going to hit as well because he is another year older not to mention if he's going to be the everyday center fielder that's going to take a huge toll on his body and that was the issue two years ago in the second half is because he played too many innings so i mean yeah they're going to bring him back because they basically have to but for them to just bank on him being the everyday center fielder and him to produce the way that he did this past year is foolish, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Uh, my thing with Gardner is you go into next season and you know he can bat ninth. You know he can play center field. And he's still pretty good on defense. Left field, center field, doesn't really matter. I guess my question is, Gardner this past season made $7 million. Had a big year. Are we talking 10, 11, 12 million dollars? I think they'll give him the same. They'll try. I don't think we'll see, obviously, but they'll try to give him the same one for seven and a half, come back, play center field. Gardner's agent and himself, they'll probably say, no, what about like nine to 10? And they'll probably meet in the middle at eight and a half. And what I'm hoping is that the Yankees don't do what they did last offseason, which is basically bid against themselves. If they had waited. They could have gotten Brett Gardner for $2 million. I never saw the purpose of them giving him the contract they did as early in the offseason as they did. My other question is, okay, so we're talking $8.5 million. Let's just say that's the number. He gets a nice little $1.5 million raise. What kind of production can you get from Mike Talkman for one-ninth of the salary? Less than Brett Gardner production? I'm not a believer in Mike Talkman. Everyone else, you can be, that's fine. But as we said in the first show, I brought it up. His advanced analytics do not match his production. Correct. So I'm not a believer in that. I okay. think okay. I think if Brett Gardner is going to hit 250, which is probably somewhere close to where he'll hit next year, 250-ish. Now, this is all speculating and guessing. But 250... You're on base, he'll probably be on base like 315, 320 at that point because he's still got a really good eye, all that. But Mike Talkman's not going to come anywhere near that. And also, I don't think he's as good defensively as Brett Gardner is. Talkman's a really good defensive outfielder, so I do know that. I just am thinking, can they aim higher than Brett Gardner? I mean, I'm not saying that they can. I'm not saying that they can, you know, they're not going to be able – 
to trade for Mookie Betts or something well, like that. But, but although I would love Boston to do that, so Boston Mookie sucks. Trade him, please. Yeah. Thank you. No, they can aim higher for sure. I would have to look at a list of free agent outfielders for sure that can play center field because that's what you're really looking for as a center fielder. Um, right. That man, that Hicks injury is just. It looms large. Yeah, and it looms even larger for when Hicks comes back because we saw, you know, how Didi Gregorius. I mean, oh yeah, he was poor, and they're coming up. It's the same injury, throwing arm, all that. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, but yeah, I'd have to take a look at you know a list of free agent outfielders. I know like Marcelo Zuna is a free agent, but you're not putting him in center field. He's terrible defensively. Um, so. You know, do they want to take the risk and move their Wilson Gold Glover? He didn't actually win the Gold Glove Award, but whatever the Wilson Award is, do they want to move Aaron Judge into center field? Like, I wouldn't. No, I don't think do that's that. a smart move. Um, but Or do they try and fill within? Do they just say, okay, we're going to have Mike Talkman and Brett Gardner be our, you know, third and fourth outfielders at this point? Like, platoon in center field, I don't. I would hope they look for something else, but... I mean, I'm okay if they bring Gardner back, but it's just like I would like him to come back in that role that they theoretically had planned for him when they yeah. traded for Edwin Encarnacion, which is that fourth outfielder Swiss Army knife uh, kind of fill in where, where needed because at some point the wheels are going to fall off, and I'm going to bet that Gardner is closer to his second half 2018 production mm -hmm. than he is his... 2019 Agreed. production so that remains to be seen what they do ultimately like i mean we're kind of delaying the inevitable here brett gardner is going to be back if he's going to play he's played his entire career with the yankees why the hell would he change now and the yankees love him they value his clubhouse leadership you can make of that what you will but ultimately like if you think about it do you really think that the yankees are going to want to lose cc sabathia and brett gardner in the clubhouse in the same offseason absolutely not. yeah that's going to be tough so um it's it is a little <laughs> strange to me though that this yankees team that is as invested in analytics as they are and they do still value some intangible stuff like that cc sabathia was brought back one i mean yeah they thought he could help the rotation and pitch but they brought him back for that, the joke that I had with Brett Gardner is that he was the team mascot, and that was because they brought him back for leadership. And I mean, it's true. Gardner has some clubhouse leadership. You hear it to a man, you know, Aaron Judge, John Carlos Stanton, you name it. They talk about it all the time. As CC and Gardy were the guys, but I just think that's a little interesting uh, bit of a nugget. But Gardner's going to be back. The hope is that it's not as the everyday center fielder. And I really think that you have to approach Aaron Hicks in the same way that you do Domingo Herman in that, and I don't mean to compare these two situations, obviously, but in the idea that they may not be back one and two, that even if they do come back, are they reliable for postseason play? So Herman, for one, is not. And uh, their New York Post, I believe, reported today that they're getting to the end stages of that. Mm -hmm. So if he is suspended at all and the Yankees decide to bring him back, which they very well could do, he is not eligible to pitch in next season's postseason. So the Yankees need to approach their starting rotation accordingly. Domingo Herman is not going to be an option in the 2020 postseason. Thinking of it that way with Aaron Hicks is, one, one, what if he doesn't come back? And two, what if he does come back and is the player that Didi Gregorius was, which suffice to say was not very good. 
uh, especially at the plate, save for two swings in the Minnesota series. And we'll get to Didi here more in a minute, but it's an interesting spot. And I think they need to do the same thing with Gardner. If you're going to bring Gardner back, that's fine, but you better find some contingency plans for getting, um, getting somebody that can play in the postseason instead of Gardner. Um, because ultimately I think, yeah, that's what you want is you want Gardner to be your defensive replacement. There's a lot of different things they can do. Obviously, if Miguel Andujar is back, I doubt he's going to be playing third base. And, you know, in our next episode, we're going to do our, this is my offseason. This is what I would do. And this is what my lineup looks like uh, going into opening day. And it's kind of crazy to do that now. But ultimately, it's a fun exercise and just kind of see what you think about in terms of how a general manager in the mind thinks and think whatever, uh, whatever God it is or anything that you worship that we are not the GMs because we would fuck something up bad. I promise you that. One last thing before we get into Brian Cashman. So we've kind of been talking about Cashman's moves last week. We talked about James Paxton this week. We're going to talk about somebody else. Didi Gregorius is drawing some interest from the Cincinnati Reds, according to John Heyman, and that is his original team. The DD situation is interesting. The Yankees did not extend him a qualifying offer. And the thought is because they thought he would accept it. $18 million for one season, basically. Give him a chance to rebuild some value. So what that tells me is the Yankees think that he's going to get less than that on the open market one. Or two, they're not interested in bringing him back at all. I tend to think more the former than the latter. What are your thoughts? There is not a bigger D.D. Gregorius fan <laughs> on the planet. That includes his mother, his father, his children, his wife, whoever. What are your thoughts right this moment on where D.D. Gregorius and his situation stands as we approach, well, the general manager meetings? I think his market is cloudy. Like, no one really knows what he's going to get. Because, like, what if the Reds really do see him as, like, a – He's going to be our everyday shortstop. Well, anyone that's going to sign him, he's going to be the everyday shortstop. But do they view him as a long-term piece for a young, up-and-coming team, for one? Because their shortstop is going to be gone in Jose Iglesias. I don't know if the, they won't go over the 17 mil mark. But if I think for New York, if it's over like 12 or 13 a year, they'll pass automatically. Um which, I mean, that that's a seeable contract for Didi, 12 to 13 a year, because he was good. Our, our team's going to take a risk and say, okay, he's coming off of a major injury, that's why he struggled, but we've seen him do it in the past. It's tough because I don't want to see him go because he is one of my favorite players, but if it's for, you know, as I said, 12-plus million dollars, Put Glaber at short. Let DJ LeMahieu play second base. Like, thanks for everything, Didi. You were great for you know four or five years, somewhere around there, off the top of my head. But I mean, gotta go. I mean, you're not a twelve to thirteen million dollar player, and you didn't show it. I mean, even even in the postseason, you know, not not this not this past year, but the year before, like he was struggling. The year before that, he struggled. Like. I think they want to get away from – because Didi's not really an analytical player either, if you think about it. 
A lot of swinging at the first pitch. High average is his value. Low on base percentage. Yeah. Power. That's Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, I mean, we the Yankees have kind of gotten away from that lefty heavy lineup that they wanted to, you know, throw out there, right? And Didi doesn't walk. I mean, that's that's a thing that the Yankees do every year. They're always either one or two or three in pitches seen for a year. Because everyone in their in their lineup has such a good eye and can walk. Didi mm-hmm. doesn't. Like I think I think his first year in New York, he had a total of like twenty nine walks in in one hundred and fifty games. Like that's bad. I don't know it. He just I don't think he'll be back. Like that's where that's where I stand. I don't think he'll be back. Yeah, I mean it's a tough spot. You think of Didi Gregorius and. You know, I know, he, like I mentioned, he had a bad postseason, but he certainly had some iconic postseason moments. You've got the wild card game in 2017, obviously. Uh, you've got the two home runs against Kluber in game five of that year. you got the grand slam this year and the most epic bat flip maybe in the history uh, of bat flips, which made me think it was a foul ball. The way, <laughs> the way he stood there in the box, I'm thinking like he missed it. It's foul something, but it turned out to be in the upper deck. Um He's a good defender. I think he's a good bounce back candidate, but I don't know if I'm I'm not willing to find that out for for that 12 to 13 mil I was talking about. Right. And that's where it gets difficult because somebody I think will pay him. The Milwaukee Brewers as a team who comes to mind in addition to the Cincinnati Reds. Um I just I I don't know. I don't think he's going to be back. Again, this is another one of those things like with Gardner but there are more options as far as aim higher and whether that means Glaber Torres and DJ LeMahieu up the middle or Francisco Lindor, that could be fun. He's going to be a staple on this show, by the way. Yeah, he is. Until, <laughs> until he's traded to the Dodgers or some other fucking team, I'm going to mention him every week. Yeah. So, but it, it doesn't even have to be Lindor. Like, do something to where, you know, maybe that means it's Glaber Torres and LeMahieu, or maybe they find a second baseman and kind of let LeMahieu still do his Swiss Army knife thing. And I, I don't know, but it's hard to find a path where Gregorius is back on the team because of the reasons you mentioned. They don't care. The Yankees don't care about left-handed bats. Uh, whether or not they should, I think, is another story, just because there's so many righty-heavy, righty-power type bats in this lineup that they could use i think they could use michael brantley i thought was like the perfect person for this lineup oh he would have fit in great and instead they went with the person we're going to talk about next but we'll get there in just a moment um but you get all kinds of stuff i mean there's a lot of different guys and i i do wonder if the yankees will look for maybe a first baseman that's a little bit more contact and less masher to platoon uh with luke voigt or you know, kind of what the, there's a lot of different like paths to where they want to get. You know, I mean, that's kind of what the emergence of Gio Urshela has done. The emergence of DJ LeMahieu is a really, really, really good player. There's a lot of stuff they can do. They're really the only players. I mean, Torres, obviously, um, Judge, Stanton. And after that, Sanchez, I think you could see a lot of different combinations in terms of what it is that they plan to do uh, for their 2020 team. 2020 team. So 
I think that Maxi Kleba just airballed a three pointer against the Knicks as bad as I've seen. And it just really caught me off guard because it's not like it was contested. So <laughs> our, view, our viewers are going to look and they're going to see my face do this. And you're just going to stop talking. That's exactly <laughs> what you're looking yeah, at. Yeah, that was bad. Okay. So it's an interesting path, which is why I think our how we build the team thing that we do next week is going to be as interesting as it was. And we won't share these before we get to that. Uh, so something to keep in mind that we won't talk about it. Um, and we'll kind of go from there. So we'll look at the guys that are already on the roster. And uh, mind you, when we do this, these things will be realistic. It's not like we're going to be like, oh, I traded Jay Happ to the Reds for Luis Castillo. Uh, Jay Happ and a mid-level prospect. That would be fantastic. Right. Like this isn't MLB the show with forced trades, unfortunately. So that's where we're at on that. So Didi may, may or may not be back. One of the reasons he may not be back is because of the next one. And this is – we talked about uh, James Paxton last week. This edition blew everyone out of the water. Um, during the offseason, when it was made, I was upset um, because I wanted Manny Machado. And I'll be the first to admit, I wanted Manny Machado. I think plugging Machado in at third base, letting him play shortstop early in the season and then moving him over to third base, I thought that was a good move for the team. Machado still had a really good year. Still a really good player. I know that Urshel, like you can play with some numbers and do that, but Machado is one of the best players in the sport. There's no question. His defense is definitely going to still age well over at the hot corner as well. But that's beside the point. The Yankees signed DJ LeMahieu, and the first question everybody had was they go, okay, well, Luke Voigt, and then they have Glaber Torres, and then Tulowitzki is going to play shortstop, but eventually that's going to be Didi. And then Miguel Andahar played, where are you going to get any at-bats for DJ LeMahieu? Well, DJ LeMay, who became a fringe MVP candidate, had one of the best seasons and was the Yankees' most valuable player in 2019. Mm. He was phenomenal. Uh, was an absolute machine. Lay machine. Lay machine <laughs> with runners in scoring position. Um, everybody kept saying that's not sustainable, and I agree with them, but he kept fucking doing it, and I'm not quite sure how. Played good defense no matter where he was asked. He was a rock over at third base or excuse me, at first base for the most part uh, in the postseason position. He hadn't really played a whole hell of a lot. He's a really good second baseman, was a gold glove candidate at second base. Take that for what you will. But played anywhere in the infield other than shortstop. I think that the the defense, the offense, the different – like, and he was batting like seventh or ninth, and by like May was the leadoff hitter. And the everyday leadoff hitter. So – that's interesting to me. I think he needs to be somebody that he said during the season that he was open to discussing an extension to stay in New York. I think that there's no question that the Yankees should at least discuss that. And I'm not saying that they need to sign him for eight years, but three more added on to the one he already has that brings him through about 34. He's got a, his hitting is going to age well. Defensively, he's shown he can play first. He's shown he can play second. He's shown he can play third. That's valuable as hell. And he's not going to be a $20 million a year player. I mean, the Yankees got him for $12 million this past season. And he was phenomenal. Uh, I mean, what more can you say? And he hit the biggest home run of the season before – well, I don't really want to talk about it anymore. But we'll move on. Yeah. Uh, I, what more can I say? I mean, what more can you say about DJ LeMahieu? You, I mean, 
you basically hit it on the head. I mean, he he won the Silver Slugger Award at for AL second baseman. Like he he was everything that you could have wanted and more. If you everyone thought that he may take a huge dip because he was hitting in Colorado. Now, when we signed him, I didn't think he was going to hit 360. <laughs> because, well, I mean, let's be honest, boosted by Colorado. But, I mean, he still hit 327, I think, somewhere around there. Like, Yeah, I'd have to look to be that's, sure. That's high, high value. And not to mention, one of the bigger things, too, is what was the mantra all season, Jake? Next man up. Yep. Well, guess what? DJ LeMahieu didn't need a next man up moment because well, he, he was there for every... He was the next well, man up. Yeah, I he mean, was originally the next man up. He wasn't in the opening day lineup. The Yankees opening day lineup had Luke Voigt at first, Torres at second, Tulowitzki at short, and Duhar at third. Their designated hitter was Giancarlo Stanton. And did Mike talk? No. Who was the... Well, it was... Who was playing center? Judge, Gardner, and center because Hicks wasn't playing. It I had didn't. to have been. Did Stanton play left? Because if that was the case, oh, you know what? Greg Bird and Luke Voigt. Greg oh, Bird yeah. played for. I've yeah. forgotten about Greg Bird. Still hey, trying to forget. Reemergence down in the Dominican. Yeah. Greg Bird season. No, I'm kidding. Um, Good riddance. But no, like, yeah, DJ LeMahieu was your original next man up. He was available for all 162 games this year. Well, plus the playoffs. Him and Glaber Torres were the cornerstones for their roster this year. Every, If I'm not mistaken, everyone else on the roster went on the DL. Correct. He's the only one who didn't. And Torres didn't. Torres didn't. But he probably should, should have. have. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but, like, that's my point, is those two didn't have a DL stint. Like, they should extend him. Agreed. This is just like we were talking about D.D. Gregorius. Gregorius just, you know, we got him for 12 mil, right? That's a risk I'm willing to take for 12 mil on D.D., but he's not going to hit no 327. Mm -mm, <laughs> like, he's no. not going to do that, you know. Um, Should he have been an MVP finalist? No. No? Okay. Yeah, we can get that. Uh, anyway. No. Um, the, he won his Silver Slugger Award. That's great. He can win the Yankees team MVP, but Bregman was so much better. Mike Trout is Trout so much is. better. Like, I think here's my proposal. You I trade for Mike Trout. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, trade Hap for in that mid-level prospect that I was talking about <laughs> earlier for Mike Trout. You think the Angels will bite on it? Offer to eat all of his salary. Joe Madden will make it work. No, oh, <laughs> I forgot that they got him. They just became instantly more unlikable with that fucking boob. Um, no, my thing is. Take the AL MVP trophy and just rename it the Mike Trout Award. And then give it to the second. And then give it, exactly. So that way somebody else can actually win the award because Mike Trout is ridiculous in every single fashion. But, yeah, I agree. I don't think so. I mean, Trout was a given. Bregman was a given. And Marcus Simeon played 162 games at shorts or 158 well, out of 162, something like that not, at shortstop. And not to mention, excuse me, um, he was a – Former seven. White Sox prospect. Shout yeah. out Steve Smirt. Yeah. Um, he was also a like seven point six war player. That's which is insane. Yeah. That's shortstop. Yeah. Like think like Frankie Lindor. <laughs> Marcus Simeon was one of the worst defensive shortstops like two years ago. 
and now he's considered one of the best defensive shortstops. Francisco Lindor coming to a New York spot near you. Let's hope. Let's hope. <laughs> um, so, but no, going back to DJ LeMahieu is he was a godsend, right? Like, I mean, that where would they have been without him? Tyro Estrada, Tyler or Tyro Estrada and Tyler Wade would have been playing second base. Yuck. <laughs> I mean, that's... I mean, with all Tyler Wade. Well, and not to cool, mention, but... like, there were times where DJ would play third, which, I mean, eventually was Gio Urshela, so that kind of... But who else would have played third base at that point? Would have been Tyler Wade or Tyler Strong. Well, <laughs> and they would have been Bravik, Valera, somebody yeah. like that would have been on the roster again at some point. Yeah. So... We did the great thing last week. Uh, a, a yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, if if the Yankees go on and win the American League Championship Series, we're talking about DJ LeMahieu in the same breath with those iconic home runs. It's unfortunate that that at bat and that home run in that game are going to get forgotten because, well, we all know what happened. But, Jose Altuve. Yeah, Altuve oh. decided to do what Altuve does against a lot of teams and the Yankees specifically. Yeah. yeah. Um. I want to talk about one more thing before we wrap up. Is here. it Francisco Lindor? I wish. No, it's not. We've said his name a lot, but no. What are your thoughts on the uh, Giancarlo Stanton comments of? Oh, oh yeah! Wait, you oh yeah! Play more stars. Oh man, how did I forget about that? Yes, Giancarlo Stanton told TMZ the that he wanted the Yankees to sign Garrett Cole and Steven Strasburg, and said you can't have enough. You can never have enough stars. And, well, one, I, I agree with him. The Yankees very easily could do that. I think Strasburg is a great pitcher. He was money in the playoffs. He's tough as hell. The idea of committing a big contract to him scares the shit out of me because he seems like somebody that could break down, not easily, but quickly. Um, and that could obviously end up a problem. Uh, if he does do that. So, Stanton, I like the comments. What's he supposed to say? You know, if somebody asks him, oh, do you want to play with Steven Strasburg? Oh, no, no, I don't want those guys. Uh, but one of them, I think that would be great. Somebody asked me the other day, if if you could compare, like, the Yankees offseason of 2009. So that was for the, well, 2008 going into 2009. For those of you that remember, C.C. Sabathia, A.J. Burnett, and Mark Teixeira. Yep. So if you could recreate that, how do you do that? My Well, at that point, you're looking at two stars and a fringe star in A.J. Burnett. I wouldn't really call it Right. So that's where it gets a little interesting because somebody said, like, oh, Strasburg and Cole, that could be like C.C. and A.J. And, but it's really not. And Strasburg is more like C.C. and C.C. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I mean, those guys are um, – if I were recreating it, you sign Garrett Cole. For me, I don't. I like Zach Wheeler. He strikes people out. He really does fit the Yankees' mold of pitcher. Mm-hmm. So I would say Zach Wheeler is AJ Burnett, and I would either sign Anthony Rendon or trade for Francisco Lindor. Yeah, I think that's how you recreate it. That's what they did in 2009. They won't do that now. Um, you know, the difference being, and Rendon is great. He, there's no reason he shouldn't displace Gio Urshela, but that's the reason that they'll use, and that's whatever. Um, signing. Well, they'll use that, and they, that Miguel Andujar is coming back. 
I don't think they're as high on him as a lot no, of no, people but think it's they're. but if you know if they don't trade him, sure, and they don't sign Rendon, they can be like, oh well, the you know the sh- I don't really want to say this should be AL rookie of the year because Otani was insane, but you know the second place, the runner up for AL rookie of the year two years ago was coming back healthy. He had like twelve total at bats last year, <laughs> more than that. But I mean, it's a reason they can use. I don't think that Miguel Andujar will be on the team next year, but tune in next week. Yeah, okay, because I <laughs> think I do. So tune in next week to find out about that. Yeah, Zach Wheeler makes sense. Uh, I will say this. Zach Wheeler is a fine pitcher as the second guy you sign. But if they sign Zach Wheeler and say, oh, we've got James Paxton, we've got Luis Severino, and now we're just going to plug Zach Wheeler in there, it's like, man, you got a bunch of number three starters. Maybe well, savvy. Yeah, but, you got you got two two number twos, and then and Zach Wheeler. I mean Zach Wheeler's got all the numbers and everything like that, but he's kind of like Michael Pineda from the standpoint of like, okay, the peripherals are there, but it's literally never fucking happened on the mound. Like, yeah, he'll have, not once. He'll have three great innings, and then he'll have the one inning where you're like, dude, what the hell just happened? You gave up four and a half runs. Well, you can't give up half run. You gave up five runs in that inning. And yeah, it's uh, Wheeler's fine if he's AJ Burnett, but if you sign him and try and sell him, he's CC Sabathia, you're going to fail and you're going to end up in the same exact position you were this off season. Um, we are out of time. We've run over. Um, thanks for listening in this week, guys. The show's Twitter is at the Bronx brothers 28 and you can find us now on Apple or any of your favorites, Spotify, anything like that. Your favorite podcasting platforms, just search the Bronx brothers. We are right there. You can listen to all the shows. Let us know what you want to hear, what you want to talk about. Send us questions to the Twitter account. You can follow him. He's at a Westendorf 85 and you can follow me. I'm at Jacob Westendorf and follow the YouTube channel. It's the Bronx brothers. Check us out. Like us, comment, subscription, any of those sorts of things. Um, and go ahead and check all those things out because we're excited to bring you content all off season. Next week, we will be talking off season plan and obviously any other news that breaks, of course. But thank you guys for listening. And of course, let's go, Yankees.